Welcome back to the Failing Forward podcast with Nikki Loesch. I have a very, very special guest today. My sister from another mister, Miss Joy Farley. Joy is a real estate broker who specializes in new construction out of Charlotte, North Carolina. So my North Carolina family, I know y'all listening. You got a girl you got to reach out to if you're looking to build some new homes, commercial, residential, you name it. My girl's got you. But Joy and I actually started our relationship on Clubhouse through the Breakfast with Champions Club almost a year ago, January marks our one year mark. So I'm just really excited to share this very special soul with you guys. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, you can see the shirt that I chose to wear today. It says choose happiness because that is what I think of when I think of my girl, Joy. Joy, welcome to the podcast, love. Thank you. So great to be here. And I'm so glad you went shopping just for me. That makes us kindred spirits. (laughs) Seriously, you were my inspiration. I saw the shirt and normally I don't wear anything that's not black, maybe a royal blue, maybe a gray or white sometimes, but this is like a tie dye, all the color, pink, blue, yellow. It's like, what the heck is that? But it said, choose happiness. And I was like, okay, Joy, I see you girl. Let, let's, let's wear that just for you. And it's actually really comfortable. So I appreciate you for being my inspiration. Well, typically when you're happy, you should be comfortable at all times. And a lot of my friends who are so set on wearing black, white neutrals, there's something about color that intrinsically makes us happier. I think it's science. I honestly I think, think it is too. And, and I'll, <laughs> I'll validate that because I do feel a little bit happier today. When I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really colorful. It just kind of uplifted my spirit. So let's dive right in. You are the friend collector. Like you're everyone's bestie. You make everyone feel just loved on and you're like the biggest support system, but I really want to get to know you a little bit better today offline off the streets of clubhouse. Like who is joy? I know that you're a sister to six. You have a huge family. I know you're super freaking tall, like five eleven. <laughs> I know you have three nephews and nieces. Like you have a big family and you love on your family and your community, but who is joy? Oh, it's such a good question. And yes, I wish I, I remember being 5'11 when I was born. So I'm actually 6'1. And we're always so shocked that they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize you were that tall. I guess on Clubhouse, you only have, you know, your little avatar. So no one really knows um, what you got going on. So I think the fun thing to me is that I can just like slip in and slip out. Um, You're not going to notice, but if I was in a room with you, (laughs) you'd be like, oh, Joyce God, there she goes. But yeah, I am the friend collector. I think that is something that has grown on me over the years because people are like, Joy, you could meet someone for five minutes and it feels like you've known them your entire life. And I feel that way. It's not just a one-sided type of thing. When I meet someone, I feel like that's the biggest gift God ever gave me was this ability just to connect with people right off the bat, no conditions, no questions asked. And it's just energetically, you feel connected to people who, and I think that's, what's brought a lot of us together over the past year is when I hear your voice, I know your spirit and it is always reciprocated. So I'm originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, for those of you on the East coast, what's up? I feel like I have collected so many friends on the West coast now, and now we just have to go play on that side of the world. But I'm originally from Charlotte. Um, Yes, I have a huge family. So there's seven kids in our family. We grew up very different. My my parents are an interracial couple. So my dad's white, my mom's black. And that's always created some super fun dynamics on some senses and created all kinds of 
um, issues on the other. However, people who have just come into my life, you know, as of recent, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that on paper, you guys grew up under the poverty line. And you're like, well, welcome, welcome to my story. Um, I think anytime you meet people, you're like, oh, wow, I thought you've always been an entrepreneur. I thought you've always been crushing it. And it's like, no, that wasn't my story. And let me, you know, demystify all of it. So growing up, I was homeschooled until like fifth grade. Um, my parents were like, you know what? The, the school we were zoned for was absolute trash. And my parents were like, hey, we'll figure it out. So we were all homeschooled really probably until the beginning of middle school until my mom kind of threw her hands up one day and was like, I'm just not equipped to one, homeschool all seven of you at the same time. And there's just needs that all of you need more than I can provide. And someone else is gonna have to take the baton. So was homeschooled. Um, I just remember so many things about my childhood being like, it was always fun. We never thought that we were ever lacking anything um, except for uh, the cars we drove were all given to us. Um, I don't think my parents have ever purchased a car, which is hilarious looking back because anyone who knows me now, they're like, Joy changes her car. Like <laughs> she changes her shoes. Like everyone knows if I go get an oil change, I might walk away with, with under whip. But we joke about now all of us having paid our hoop-de-doos in full. Um, but just the blessings that have followed me. I look back on so many things of my childhood, high school, college. And it's like my parents always gave us everything that was in their hands to give. It might not have looked like monetary gifts and things on paper, but to watch how God has provided for all of us. I mean, I look back and I'm like, wow, of all seven of us, we've all gone to college. We've all, I mean, I've got a brother in the NFL. I've got my youngest brother, Silas, who's like a literal prodigy when it comes to the world of dance. Um, he danced for the New York City Ballet for eight years. Him and his wife just had their first baby. They're in LA now, like living their best life. And it's so crazy, but it's like, it was never about what my parents could stroke a check for. We all went to the best private school here in Charlotte. Um, a, a foundation came alongside our family and gave us basically the education lottery. It allowed low-income families to send their kids to the private school of their choice. And I look back and I'm like, you know what? If I would have just been in a space where all I could see was what was on paper, I don't know if I would ever have gotten out of bed in the morning. I think as adults, we kind of feel like that now, like, oh, we only see what is in our bank account. We only see what's right in front of our faces. And you look back at the track record and it's like, man, the things that have come into my life by people, it's not what my parents could stroke a check for. The people that were always around our family to be like, your kids have incredible gifts and talents. How can we help them shine? Whether that was sports or the arts, like my mom was taking money out of the grocery budget, which was like 75 bucks a week to barter, to send my little brother to dance, you know, at seven years old. And now you look at him at 27, he's now the, the Dean of the Colburn school in Los Angeles. And he's like running the world. And I'm like, it wasn't because what was on paper. It was like, no, how can I encourage the gifts that you have? I'm going to give you my first and I'm going to give you my best. And I always talk to my parents now of looking back and like, how did you guys do it? Seven kids. You know, you look at some people that have large families now, but 
they're crushing it in business and they're doing, you know, all the things, but I'm like having seven kids with no resources, a total different, a total different ball game. But if you talk to my parents these days, it's like every single one of you were planned. It wasn't like, Oh, look, we have another sibling. You know, my mom was always like, every single one of we knew your names, like the whole nine yards. And as I get older, I realized the sacrifices that they put on the line for all of us. And it wasn't about, Hey, how can I, um, send you to the best and do all of this? Those things just happened, but they encouraged the giftings that we all had, whether that was basketball, football, uh, dance. I think we all went through super weird stages of like, my brothers are like BMX biking and skateboarding. And they're like, I don't even like, that looks like a medical bill right now. And I'm not here for it. Um, but fast forwarding into kind of like my adult life. Like I went to college thinking that I wanted to be a business major. I thought it would just be fancy to walk around into an office in like stilettos and pencil skirts until I took my first psychology class. And I was so enamored one, I've always had a huge heart for people. I just love people, whether it's meeting someone for the first time, listening to what they have going on, connecting people with great things. And I always thought that was going to be in some type of helping profession. I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. I knew I didn't want to be a social worker, which took some social work classes. I knew I didn't want to be um, like a nurse or a doctor, but one being fascinated by the human condition. <laughs> why people do what they do and that I could help people in some type of way. So I majored in psychology. I thought I was going to be Dr. Farley one day, whole clinical route. In my senior year, I found myself in the research lab, crunching statistical analysis, being like, I'm too fun for this. This is not what I thought being a psychologist was. I thought you were just going to come sit on my couch. We can talk it out. You know, I'm helping you. We're helping each other. And it's a whole bunch of math and writing. And I was like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. I got a, so I got a text message. People are always like, how did you get into real estate? Like, okay, you love people. You have a psychology degree. How in the world did you end up in real estate? And I laugh because my senior year of college was an absolute hot mess disaster. Um, spring break, I basically broke up with my long-term boyfriend. Um, and of course I've been, was looking for a job, you know, on my own. Well, so that happens, huge breakup, end up deciding, you know what, maybe I don't want to go, um, to be in school for however many more years. I get a text message, um, from a great family friend of ours after the job that I had qualified for literally falls apart in my hands. Three weeks before graduation, I had been looking for a job and I look back at that time and I was like, you know what, what doesn't work out for us actually works out for us. Um, I had a job all lined up that fell through. Like I said, three weeks before I graduated, I remember calling my dad in tears being like, I worked so hard to get to the doorstep of my graduation. I feel like I have nothing in my hands. Like this boy, I thought I was going to marry, um, falls apart. This job has fallen apart. I don't even know what I want to do with my life anymore. And I remember him telling me, he's like, Joy, you still have time. I was like, what do you mean? I still have time. I graduate in three weeks. And he was like, you still have time. And he's like, I'm going to be praying. He's like, I hope something just blows your socks off. Something that's going to come out of nowhere. 
you still have two, three weeks before you graduate and you didn't get this far just to come this far. And I kid you not, a week from that conversation of this job falling apart, I get a text message on my like no G network slider phone um, from a number that I did not have in my phone or recognize. And it was Dan Horner. He said, Hey Joy, I just picked up your graduation party invitation off the kitchen counter and it dawned on me that our company is hiring. And I think you'd be a great fit, but call me. We can discuss the opportunity. And I was like, are you kidding me? Um, one, my parents have ne- had never owned a home. We weren't running through model homes, building homes, um, selling homes, like none of that. We had lived in rented places my whole entire life. I knew nothing about construction or sales. And I'm feeling like I'm the most unqualified person ever to be having a conversation with this like real estate mogul. And he was like, nope, um, you're exactly who we were looking for. Um, you've got the personality for it. You have it that nobody can teach. And I've been watching you for years and I think you would freaking crush it. Like call me. So we started talking and I looking back, I'm like, I'm such an idiot. I think nowadays, like, because of your connections, you're like, Hey, it's who do I know? Not what do I know? But back then I was like, I'm a smart girl. I graduated with honors in college. Like I want to prove my worth. So I told him, Hey, I want to go through the process just like anybody else. You don't know me. I don't know you. If I, if I qualify, great. I mean, I had played on national volleyball teams and earned my spot in every other space in my life. I didn't want to just get handed a job right out of college just because I knew one of the owners. He was like, Hey, fair. If that's what you're going to do, no problem. So I go through this whole interview process. Um, so I graduated on a Saturday. I moved back home on that Sunday. I had interviews the following Monday, Wednesday. And I think the next Tuesday I sat down with Dan and they were like, yeah, um, anonymous, uh, you're in everybody was all on board. And that was 10 years ago. So that was, yeah, going into 2012, I graduated from UNC Wilmington in 2012. And I cannot believe here I sit, you know, a decade later being like, someone saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. You know, here I'm feeling like I'm the most unqualified. I don't have any experience in the things that you specialize in. Yet that's been the story of my life that I have been pulled from the very back to the very front in every in every way possible, whether it was my education. You know, I didn't start playing volleyball until eighth grade um, played on national teams and travel and all kinds of stuff. I put myself through college, um, on academic scholarships and I'm like, and here I am sitting at the end of the line being like, I have nothing in my hands. And yet out of nowhere, seemingly it's like, no favor has always chased after me. And I remind myself of that often when things are feeling like out of control or you have so much on your plate and you're like, favor has always chased me down always. And now I look at life very differently being like, you know what? It's not that I'm being pulled from the back to the front. It's like, no, I've always been divinely positioned to be exactly where I'm supposed to be. And the people that have come into my life, the conversations, the connections, I mean, just how you and I know each other. It's unbelievable. Like clubhouse came out of nowhere here. The pandemic hits and we're all like, I miss human connection. And the countless people that we've connected with over the past year just blows my mind. And I really feel like we're in a space where it's like, we're just getting started. So and along agree with you more. I mean, it's just girl, fun. You look it just, back and you're like, man, 
listening to what you just said and reflecting on it, this podcast is a result of the connections and relationships that have been created over the last year on clubhouse. Like if I think about every single guest I've had now in 17 episodes, every single one of them has been someone that I've met on clubhouse, talked to, built a relationship with, learned from, and I was like, oh my gosh, your story is so powerful. It needs to be shared with the world. This entire project came from clubhouse. My team that helps me with this podcast, I met on clubhouse. So, you know, in listening to your story, joy, it really makes me think of two things. I think your story is a story of connection first and foremost, and a story of hope because many people that would be in your same position, right? Being born and raised under the poverty, poverty line, being one of seven children, being homeschooled, which means one mother trying to run the house and run the family and teach seven kids. Like, yeah, right. Most of us are struggling with one or two, or if we have three, we're like, oh my gosh, three kids. Like it's so much harder. Right. But you had seven kids that were being homeschooled all the way through middle school. Like those are the most essential years where you're building the framework and the base and the foundation. And for you all to turn out so successful and entrepreneurial and independent and just making things happen with a brother in the NFL, a brother that was in the New York city ballet. That's a huge feat in and of itself. And then you like, it is such a story of the power of connection, building real relationships, connecting with people on an authentic, genuine level, not because you want to get anything from that, but because you just want to be there with them, serve them, learn about them. Right. That's how you and your, your brothers and sisters were really taking care of it was other people seeing in you the things that they knew were your passions. They knew were your talents and they knew they had to pour into to help uplift and serve your family. And that's a testament to your mother and father and the real relationships that they built in the community, the way that they showed up authentically and genuinely not asking for a handout, but being there and serving people. And then those people seeing how they were serving you guys and wanting to support, right? No doubt. Care of. It, no it doubt. Takes that's, one thing, that's one thing I can always look back. People are like, oh, well, you know, they say closed mouths don't get fed. But this whole, I wouldn't even say it's trending, but the word authenticity is just like a huge buzzword now. But when you talk about just being open and honest with where you're really at, I think that's one of the qualities that my mom has always exhibited. You know, when people be like, Hey, what's Christmas looking like? And it's like, my husband just lost his job. Like there, there's, there's no Christmas, you know what I mean? And then before you know it, a U-Haul shows up one day and, you know, I'm talking like floor to ceiling Christmas because you're just saying, Hey, here's where we're really at. And people would be like, Hey, like we want to come support, like whatever we can do because people will see things in you that you don't see in yourself. And I think a lot of people feel this sense of, well, if I can't do it 100% myself, then that leaves me feeling less than, and, um, not as valuable as somebody else. And I honestly think that's your superpower too. When you can just show up and say, Hey, here's how things really are. You would be shocked with what people would come up with. And I think every time we hear of a need or someone has to be willing to say, Hey, here's what's really going on. I can't pay my rent or, I don't know how I'm going to keep the lights on, or I don't know how these kids are going to go to a private school. That's, you know, more than college tuition for kindergarten. You know, And looking back, it's like, 
when we show up as fully ourselves with the truth, you would be shocked at who will come around, who will come around you. Um, and that's one of the things I'm just so grateful for as an adult where I can lead from a space of, Hey, here's where things really are. It might not always be the struggle of finances all the time, but maybe that ends up being your mental health or your physical health. And those have been things that every time I speak the truth, you just create real heart connections. I made a post about that yesterday. It's like, Hey, pro tip. Um, you don't have to be embarrassed to struggle. We all do. That's what makes us human. And I think when you can bring humanity back into your business or into spaces that you enter where people feel like, wow, maybe I'm not the only one that's struggling with something that's been the life, my whole life being like, well, when you grow up on paper, struggling with, you know, Oh, well, everyone else seems to get, a a luxury car and go on these fancy vacations for spring break. And I'll be like, I'll be in the backyard. If y'all need me any, any spring break plans, <laughs> but I never felt like I was less than if anything, a lot of those rich kids looked at our family, like, gosh, y'all have something that we don't have. And it was love. And it was, um, sacrifice. I remember coming home from school one day and like, my dad had like the, the kit, the engine of the car on the freaking table. And I was like, what is going on? It's like, well, if I don't fix it, you guys don't get to drive to school tomorrow. You know, it wasn't like, oh, we'll just call the dealership and they'll have it come, you know, they'll come pick it up or what have you. It was like, oh my gosh, I remember graduating from college, buying my first car. Like we had never had new cars. If anything, they were like, hand me downs and hand me downs and hand me downs on hand me downs. I was like, if this car has four hubcaps and working air conditioning, like I feel like I hit the lotto. And when you grow up seeing sacrifice, like tangible, my dad under the hood of a car in the cold, in the rain, because if he didn't change the oil or he didn't fix or diagnose the problem, he's not a mechanic. He like was fixing things all the time, whether it was the, you know, the, the laundry, um, uh, the washer, the dryer, something would go wrong. And it was like, well, if dad doesn't fix it, then like, I don't know what's going to happen. So when you look at authenticity and sacrifice so differently through the eyes of like, I've watched it go down. It's not like, Hey, here's my credit card. I hope that fixes whatever problem is going on. And I think these days, a lot of people feel like, well, if I can't solve it with money, then I haven't solved the problem. Whereas Wow. If I could just lean in and say, you know what, like, what does sacrifice really mean? Like, what are the things that I'm sacrificing? Is it my time? Is it my resources? And maybe sometimes sacrifice is stroking the check, but when you have the check to stroke, it's a whole different ball game. But seeing that firsthand, I think has really changed my perspective on what it really means to give your first and your best, not your last and your, and your leftovers to people. And I think for a lot of times that could simply just be your energy. You know, when I've got it, I think that's, that's a running theme in our family too. It's like, I love having a big family. Somebody might have a dollar I can borrow. Um, That's been a fun one. And then secondly, it's like, if I've got it, you've got it. Like if I've got a car, you always have a ride. You know, if I've got a place to stay, you will never worry about having a roof over your head. Um, but I think when you can show up and give people their, your best, um, they feel it in a completely different way that translates. 
I love that. I had to write that down. If I've got it, you've got it. If I have a car, you've got to ride. And that's what it's about. You know, two other things came to mind as you're speaking. Yes, authenticity, but more importantly, the power of transparency and the power of vulnerability. We look at social media today. A lot of people are playing this comparison game and it's causing a lot of mental health issues and people to spiral down this rabbit hole of the things that they don't have or chasing the Jones, right? The Jones have it. So I need to go after that. And what people need to realize is 99% of the profiles on social media are only highlighting the best moments of their Mm -hmm. lives or the things that they believe they need to be putting out there to feel like they are worthy or they belong or that they'll be accepted. There's only 1% of profiles out there that are actually allowing themselves to be transparent and showing like, this is the worst part of my day. This is what I'm going through. And are allowing themselves to be vulnerable and saying, my life isn't perfect. This is how I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. Like, let me just be open and honest with you. And that's when you can really connect with people and say, I want to support you. I want to be there for you. I want to instill hope and love and courage and strength and worthiness into you. But when you're just putting out the best and then still looking for something, it's like, well, what do you need? It already like, you've got perfect. it all. Like what, what, what could you possibly need? It looks like you've got it all under control. Those are the, those are that 1%, you know, people talk about the one percenters. I want to be in that 1% of the real ones. You know, you don't have to be in the 1% tax bracket of, you know, being at the top, but if you could be in that 1% of those profiles that people scroll by and they feel better after they've seen your page than when they got there. I think that's a testament to just life in general. You know, if you can leave people, places and things in better condition than you found them in, you're winning. And when people feel like, gosh, maybe, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one that struggles with this or that or the third. Those are the people that I honestly connect with the most. Cause it's like, Hey, you have nothing that you're just putting the, the, the filter on your life. And it's so funny because that's the world we live in now. Like if it's not filtered and edited and, you know, manipulated, then that's what people think is reality. And then when you show up as your full self and people are like, oh, you're exactly like you are, like you show up online. I was like, thank you. It's like, it's now the new, it's now the biggest compliment. Um, And people are like, wow, you're, you, you and your social media match up where, people are meeting the, the best version, the manipulated version, the edited filtered, um, you know, kind of whatever you're projecting. And then people meet you in real life and you're like, Whoa, like not even in the same universe. So I think being consistent and congruent in that way, that it shouldn't be shocking. We shouldn't be shocked when you meet people and they're the exact same way. And I think the connections and relationships and friendships that I've created over the past year. It's exactly that is how you show up in one space is um, I'm getting a call. Hold on. So sorry. Realtors life. It's all good. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's about consistency. And yes, some people are like, I need to I need to be this one specific version. Like I'm trying to be a health coach. So all I'm going to do is like put out health coaching materials and try to just be in this place of just helping people find that balance in their lives, but let people know who you are. Like, why did you choose to be a health coach? What's inspired you to go down this road? What is making you feel that 
This is your calling in life. Where did this come from? What is it about you and your character that has pushed you in this direction of making this decision to not want to serve and give back and educate others? That's really what it's about. It's about letting yourself be seen fully and wholly and completely. No doubt. So sorry. I got a call. I like missed all of that. <laughs> you are, okay. it out. I was just, I was just filling the gap. <laughs> you said fill the gap. Yes. So what I was saying is if you can meet people where they are and then you meet them in your life and it's like, Oh my goodness, you're exactly the same. And that's exactly what I knew of you to be. Because when you hear people, and I think that's the beauty of social audio right now is that when you can show up and people hear your heart and they don't have to guess like what version of you that they're going to get, because you just feel like, you know, who they are. And there's only so much that you can project with pictures and, you know, all these different things. And I'm like, I'm so grateful for the real ones. And I think when you consistently find them, it's like, no, I think real people are attracted to real people. And it's so much easier to decipher the ones that you can't fool me anymore because I know that if I see you in one space and they're not congruent in another, then you're not my people. But the ones that you feel this like Oh, it's refreshing to be around people who are excited about life, who are going after it, who show up authentically and vulnerably in every space. Then you're like, yep, those are my people. Sign me up. I'll take you. And and that doesn't have to be like the perfect best version of you. Like we all have highs and lows in our life. We all go through trials and tribulations. Like I went through some crazy challenges just in the last few months. And I was open and honest with my community, with my family, with my tribe, with my friends, with my clients. And I was like, Hey, I'm going through some burp, right? Put in the little stars and all that. (laughs) Like I'm going through some stuff right now. And I just have to be open and honest with you that if you feel my energy is not where it usually is high and uplifting and motivating, like this is why I'm a human being that is literally being and feeling and experiencing life. This is alive right now. Human for a second. And one thing I, I've seen recently where it's like, I'm going to stop saying sorry so much. I'm sorry for this. And I'm sorry for being late. I'm sorry for. And I think when we change the whole narrative of saying, you know what? Thank you. Instead of constantly apologizing all the time to be like, thank you for allowing me that space. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for giving me the grace to be, like you said, like we're human beings. And I think a lot of time I get caught into, oh, I've got to show up perfectly. I've got to show up put together. And I honestly feel the most myself when people just know that I'm like typically a hot mess. Um, and I'm really open about it. So I'm like, Hey, I don't have it all together. I don't have to have it all. Um, you know, tied up with a bow because that's not real life. You know, you're a mom, you have a life, you've got business, you're juggling all the things. And it's like, listen, life is hard. And I want to be the first to tell you that it's not all sunshine and roses. But when I show up with a good attitude, I think that's for me, life has always been hard. Um, life's hard for everybody. You don't have to grow up poor to have a hard life. If anything, I had a lot of friends that had everything that you could put a price tag on and they felt so empty. Like no one really cares about me. I can be bought. And I'm like, man, to have 
these experiences of life where, like I shared earlier, Hey, I'm from both sides of the track in every single capacity. I've got a white parent and a black parent. I've got one foot in one side of town and one foot in the other. Uh, we don't have money, but everyone I'm constantly around lives in these like palatial homes, driving luxury cars. And like, I don't even have hubcaps and working air conditioning, you know, but that has given me this advantage of saying, you know what? I don't have to be on one side or the other. I don't have to think one way because I didn't just grow up in the country club. You know, all my friends were members of country clubs that I got to visit frequently. Thank you. However, you know, we were like, um, how are we going to make it to payday? And living in this kind of duality at all times has given me the advantage of saying I can talk to anybody. I don't care if you own this building or you clean this building, like you're just people. And I think a lot of people who don't have that gift of, you know, no one can really blame anyone for where they grew up or who their parents are or how successful they've been or whatever, you know, we all have you know, do, do what you can with the cards that you've been handed. However, the cards that I got handed at on the front end looked like a whole lot of adversity, but it has turned into the greatest um, gift of all times that I was not packaged in a pretty package. It was like, gosh, I wish I could go shopping with all my other friends. I wish I wasn't like, you know, going to work after school. Cause I was paying for, you know, travel volleyball or I don't know how the car is going to get fixed. I wish that, you know, we weren't sweating our tail off or freezing in the winter, but at least I have a car. <laughs> you could be taking the bus or something, you know, it's just, you look back at those times and you simply, I simply laugh because every time I feel like I get in my car, I just think about, man, this is the nicest car I've ever sat in, let alone owned because you know where you came from. And I hope I always hold on to that because it not just keeps you humble. I think you don't have to come from humble beginnings and constantly be reminded that what you have is you could go back to that, but it's like, you know what? I want everybody to feel seen significant and special because you know where you've come from and maybe someone's in that season that you came from but to give them your first and to make them feel like the most important person in the room my mom has always said um you know I might not have money but I'll never be a poor person and that is something that has walked around with me my entire life that sometimes I don't always have you know money to give somebody but like I think poor can definitely turn into a mentality and um, I always had something to give. I always, maybe it's just a smile. You know, people are always like, Joy, your smile lights up the room. That was a gift to me. Uh, my parents couldn't afford braces. Um, someone came up to my mom after a family friend of ours came up to my mom after church one day and was like, do y'all have any needs? And my mom was like, um, actually, yes. So going back to just the honesty, openness, um, transparency topic of, yeah, actually there is a need. My daughter needs braces and like has changed my whole life. So I look back at so many, so many little pivotal things that have made me, me now that were from the, the people around me seeing a need and meeting it. So now it's kind of like, I'm always looking around and seeing needs. And if you can meet it, Sometimes you find that you, you're the one that needs a miracle and sometimes you get to be it for someone else. And I think when you've experienced both sides of both sides of that, it's like, you just see the world so differently. 
I mean, it's a law of reciprocity, right? What you put out and be able to get back in, but it's also like, if all you're doing is taking, taking, taking from people, if you look at yourself, like a cup, right. Or a jar, when you take, 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 and you're putting these things into your jar, well, what's going to happen when that jar finally gets full and it's filled to the top, there's no more room to allow anything else to come in, whether that's success or love or joy or abundance or learning or success or like whatever it is, you need to make room to have space to receive more. So as much as you're receiving and getting and taking, you need to give away freely. You need to look for opportunities to pour into other people, to make space for yourself, to be able to receive Mm -hmm. what you receive. You need to give what you give, be willing and able and ready to receive and return the law of reciprocity. Don't you find that in life and and maybe in your own experience that givers always gain always. It's like every time I see a generous person, it's like a personality trait. It's like, Oh, you're extroverted or introverted. You're a giver, you know? And when people see that quality in you and they're like, man, I wish it, and, and it kind of makes some people feel like, well, am I more of a taker? <laughs> am I more yeah. of a giver? And you can always detect them. It's the ones that are willing to show up and serve and get nothing in return. It's the ones that show up early, stay late, do whatever is required because you feel great when you give. And every time you give, I think it's a, it's almost like an equal exchange. Like every time I give something away, I feel like, gosh, like my heart is so filled up when you support someone, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what they become. And because I know what that feels like to be on the receiving end so many times, you know, from my childhood, but now as an adult, it's like, Hey, like it, like that, the idea of I've got it, you've got it. And I think I look at generous people and I think sometimes that is where that connection happens. It's because it's like, Hey, like you're willing to give without expecting anything in return. And I think that's just a beautiful quality that I consistently see in people. And that's where I think some of those connections are so easy. Cause it's like, Oh, I see you. I appreciate that. hundred <laughs> percent. As you're saying that it's making me go back and think about a really, really powerful relationship that I had a decade ago when I was running a sales and marketing business. And this was after my father had passed away, my inspiration for becoming an entrepreneur was my father who had mm-hmm. a construction company. That's all he showed us was that work ethic. But I remember a point when I was 24, 25 years old, and I was like, I had just made my first seven figures and the business was just blowing up. And we were starting to franchise and open offices all around the country. And it had just been promoted to a regional consultant role. Like life was happening. Things were happening. And I remember when they just staying there and crying and being like, I wish my dad was here. So I could celebrate this win with him because Mm -hmm. he was the inspiration behind it all. And I just wanted to talk to him. And I remember I was, I was upgrading from our smaller office in Canoga park, California. If you guys don't know where that is, it's like in the Valley of Los Angeles, like not a fancy place, but I would put Woodland Hills on the address because it it helped for recruiting. But I remember we were going from Canoga park down to Manhattan beach area. And I was like, Whoa, like this is huge. And it was the same day that I was crying about. I wish my dad was here to have this, you know, the celebration together. Well, the realtor that I met that was showing me that commercial space that was referred to me through someone. I put a Facebook message out there. Like I'm looking for a realtor. I need to find this 2,400 square foot space in this area. Like if anyone knows anyone that specializes in the South Bay, let your girl know. And this person reached out to me and said, Hey, the man, the myth, the legend, this man is like 
the best. He was vice president of Lean Associates, commercial real estate. Like he will set you up. And I met this guy, Stacy. Stacy, if you're listening, love you, appreciate you. He's like, I still and, love you. You're the best. <laughs> yeah, no, you're amazing. And he was actually at my wedding three years ago. Like, I can't wait for him to meet my son. But when Stacy and I met, it was like initially we hit off, and I just felt like my father's spirit was speaking to me through Stacy. And without me even telling him anything, he's like, I've seen you before. I know you. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, did you used to go work out out at South End Racket Club? And I freaked out because my father introduced me to the gym at 13 years of age at South End Racket Club. So Stacy had been working out there and saw me there with my dad because I look a lot like my dad. And he's like, I know your dad. I used to talk to him in the gym. I, I, I know him. And I remember you being the teenage girl walking on the treadmill. And I, I used to see you there. And I was like, this is insane. Like divine intervention, bringing this person back into my life to let me know that I'm not alone. Right. He knew my father and this, this guy, Stacy and I, like we stayed in touch for the last 10 years. We used to have a weekly meeting at La Pancotidian in Manhattan beach every single morning on Friday, where we just sit down, have breakfast and just talk. And he would just talk to me about my wins, talk to me about my challenges, give me give me mentorship that I was looking for. Just like, it was the most amazing thing. And we would talk about my dad and he was a very spiritual person. And sometimes he'd be like, I saw your dad come to me in a dream or talk to me about your dreams. Like, what is it that you're looking for? And it was just such a powerful reminder that relationships are really important, but knowing that we're a part of something bigger, like we're not alone in this life. If you have faith and you have hope and you have your eyes open to all the opportunities that are coming to you all the time, and you're open to receiving those things and you're coming from a place of giving. So the world and the universe is making opportunities for you to receive as well, that the things that you're probably wanting and praying for the most are being presented to you every single day. It's just a matter of, do you see them and are you ready to receive them? And sometimes it's the people who completely make the place, you know, like that's like, I literally had like chills because what happens oftentimes in this world of real estate is referrals are life. You know, who do you know that I need to know? Oh, you've got a friend. Oh, your friend needs a friend. Well, if I I've come to the, to the space of, okay, well, if, if you know someone who's looking for a home, they're looking for a new home, they want to build a home, then they can't talk to anybody but joy. Um, because you've become kind of like an authority in your own space of I've worked for people for, I've worked for three different builders prior to where I am now. And the relationships that I built in 2012, when I got into the industry have paid me again and again and again and again. And it's this, it's this continual cycle of, I don't care what is on your name tag. I want to work with you. And I always thought, you know, well, if I'm not here, then, you know, maybe people will just keep on bringing their business to that said space. But what I have found is no, people want to work with you. You bring something to the table. And I always tell people, regardless of how saturated your space is, you know, how many coaches or podcasters, or you can fill in this, this, in this space, but it's like, I don't care how saturated the space is. No one can do what you do. Like you do it. 
And I realized, especially in real estate, there are thousands of agents here in Charlotte, in North Carolina, all over the country. But there's something that you bring to the table that changes the game. And people have told me for my entire career, even when I had no idea what the heck I was doing, but I was like selling like, you know, four and a half million dollars a month. And people were like, do you know that some people in general brokerage, like that's what they sell in a year. And you just did that in 30 days. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, and I used to go into our CEO's office and I was, he was like, what are you doing? Like, no one was able to sell in this neighborhood. Like, and you've come in here, you're selling like 12 houses a month in here. Like I, like, what is the special sauce? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, and I remember telling him, I'm just being me. And it was such a simple answer, but it was the truth. It's like, I don't know what everybody else does. I'm just being myself. I used to have this picture, you know, when you said, Oh, I'm, I'm wearing color and I feel really like different today. I used to have this mental picture in my mind, what professionalism kind of looked like, you know, I think maybe that's something that's been so deeply ingrained into our heads as women that you have to show up, you know, and, you know, pencil skirts and pantyhose and have to have like nude nails and very just to be taken seriously, like you're credible because this is what professional women look like in business. And I think I just recently, not recently, but I would say over the past few years, I've just thrown all of that out the window. And I'm like, you know what? I actually wore this jumpsuit to work the other day. And I was like, <laughs> does anyone like my tiger suit? Um, and you're just being yourself. You are fully showing up. I'm sick of leaving half myself in the car to like, you know, fit this kind of um, mold where people are like, Oh my gosh, I love what you're about. Like, you're just being yourself. And I think I want to be your friend. And I think I also want to buy a house from you. And you're like, it's a win-win because when you're being yourself, I think people realize that, Hey, run into any salesperson. Maybe you go buy a car, maybe you go buy whatever you're looking for. And you just find that people are just people and that you really would just want to work with great people. In my entire career, people have said, you know what? Enjoy, you were never our salesperson. You just became a great family friend. And I think that is the true testament of being in the right space where your gifts, my gifts, your gifts, they make room for you, where you shine because it feels effortless. It doesn't feel like I'm having to go uphill both ways with newspaper on my feet. Like things don't have to be a struggle. And I was, I remember when I first got on Clubhouse, there was a conversation I had, I think with Stephen Kuhn we had a room about imposter syndrome. And I told him, I said, Stephen, the thing that scares me the most th these days, some people have this imposter syndrome about not adding up or if people really knew what life really was like versus how I show up, they would be like mortified. But I remember telling him, I said, the thing that honestly kind of scares me the most, it, I don't even know if it was considered imposter syndrome, but I'm like, I feel like things are so easy. And I don't know if that's right because I'm so used to having to struggle for stuff like, mm -hmm. oh, I've got to stay late. I got to show up early. I've got to grind. And I'm in this space now where it's like, things feel easy. Work feels easy because maybe this is just what I was created to do, that it doesn't have to constantly be a struggle. And I'm like, is that a problem? Should I be like, you know, stressing myself out about like hitting some other new height or whatever. And he's like, no, I think that's what most people wish that they could finally achieve where you don't constantly have to feel like you're struggling, that you get yeah. to this space where you're like, I've got the expertise. I know my stuff. I, there's nothing that I probably haven't seen. I'm constantly learning. 
but being in a really cool space where I'm like, life doesn't always have to be a struggle to be successful. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, people in business, people who are starting certain things where, yeah, maybe you go through a season that things feel harder than others, but to get to this space where you're like, life is fun. It's fun when you know your stuff and you kind of know your market and what you're doing. You're not the newbie and like things can start feeling easy and not feeling guilty for things feeling easy because they've always felt hard in the past. So yeah. Amazing. It tells me that you're operating in your zone of genius. Like you have found your lane and you are just staying in your lane. You're doing what you love. You've synced your passion with your expertise and you're still continuously learning and growing and giving and receiving. And I know that you love personal development and I know that you love to read all about it. So before we close the conversation, can you tell me some of your favorite books that you've read about personal development that have really helped you learn more about yourself, become more self-aware on the things that you love and are passionate about, but most importantly, help you land in the space of operating in your zone of genius. Mm. Oh my gosh. I wish I could like pull all my books off the bookshelf. Um, I've constantly been rereading how to win friends, influence people. I think that's like a staple, like even if connection isn't something that comes just naturally to you, I think that's a, a must, a must read. Um, gosh, really in the past year, I did uh, 75 hard as a result of Clubhouse. I was dared into greatness. And a lot of that was reading 10 pages in a book like every single day. I read The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. That's a total winner. Um, I mean, we can talk ourselves into and out of our own greatness in like five seconds. It's amazing what our brains can do to ourselves. Um, so five second rule, that's a fan favorite. Um, I read this small book called Ikigai. Um, it's like a, I think it's Japanese, um, but it's this idea of your reason for being. And I think a lot of people don't know what is your reason for being, what wakes you up in the morning. Um, it talks about so many things, like all these areas in the world where you have people who live past a hundred years old and they've interviewed these folks being like, oh, like, how do some people get to live longer lives? Because most times people don't know why they're even here. What is their, what is their thing? Um, that's one I've definitely loved. And there's a book I read a few years ago. It's called the happiness equation. Um, I had to look up the, the author, but I think for a lot of us who were kind of grew up in a space where it's like, Hey, you work hard. Um, you have massive success and then you can be happy. And it flipped that whole equation backwards saying, Hey, how about you start out happy, do exceptional work and have massive success as a result. And I think about that often, you know, just, just choosing happiness. Like your shirt says today, that when you start happy, you do great work. Happy. You can't tell me that happy people don't do exceptional work because they're excited about what they're doing. They see the goodness around them. They're willing to go the extra mile talk to anybody who has like an empty tank and sees the glass half full and has this view of the world that everyone's out to get them or whatever. And then they're just going to struggle uphill. And then, you know, finally when they reach success, then they can finally be happy. And 
I am just a big fan of, I want to be happy because happy people, people want to be around happy people. Who wants to be around Debbie Downer? Not me. Um, but when <laughs> you can show up as like the happiest person in the room, genuinely, there's been times when you're like, Hey, I got to slap on a smile and like fake it till you make it. And I'm not about that life anymore. It's like, either you're going to know exactly what's up. Cause I wear my emotions on my sleeve and on my face. So it's very hard to uh, fake that. But the happiness equation, because I think so many people have the equation backwards that I'm going to work hard, have massive success, then wait to this mythical time that I can have the permission to be happy. But when you start with just, and then there's a huge difference between happiness and joy. People are always like, I just want to be happy. I want to be joyful because one, that's an inside job. No one can take away your joy. Life can take away your happiness because it's based on the happenings around you but joy's on the inside and it's contagious. Um, I hope you all catch it today. <laughs> and, yes. um, and, and, and it is a choice, you know, there are so many reasons that you can look around, look at the world. Now you can choose to be miserable and you can choose, um, to be sucked into the news and the bad news and everything else. But like, you can choose happiness. You can choose joy. You don't have to wait for someone else to give you the permission for that. And, um, I would say those, those would be three, three of my favorites currently. Um, but there is power in reading. I feel like when I graduated from college, remember my older brother, Nathan being like, you do know that you never have to read a book again. Cause it's not required anymore. <laughs> like if you never want to learn anything, that'll also be your fault. And I really held on to that because I realized that, nope, I want to constantly be learning and learning new things. And I think that's the beauty of clubhouse too, is maybe you don't have to read a book all the time, but getting in spaces where you're not the smartest person in the room, maybe you know nothing about cryptocurrency or NFTs or all the things I was like, mind blown by just being in different conversations with people who are ahead of you and know things that you don't know and you can learn and glean from, but a lot of that, you can pick up a book and you can tell the people who don't read too. So don't give yourself away. <laughs> a thousand percent. Cause it's the same message over and over and over again. There's no new information there. You don't see them growing and progressing and working towards the best version of themselves. Now, a fun fact for the listeners is that we actually started an Amazon shop for you that is tailored to all these episodes, our recommendations. And there we have my favorite vitamins and supplements and healthy um, snacks. And I'm actually going to be starting a little book club in there for you too. And I love this book, the happiness equation. It's by Neil Pashrika. We're going to be adding it to the book club. Yes. Yes. So we're going to add that to the book club. So if you want to go ahead and get it, or you just want to see some of my favorite things that I recommend everyone should have in their household, go ahead and go over to www.elevatedlife.com. That's E-L-E-V number eight, like the infinity sign turned sideways, T-E-D life.com. And you'll see all my favorite recommendations, things that I purchased for our family that we have in our house. And now we're going to be adding some of the books that I'm also reading. And I recommend everyone to read to help them work towards the best version of themselves. Joy, I love you so much. I am so happy we got to spend this time together. And I'm just shocked. Like you and I have been friends on the app and we've been speaking together on the stages of breakfast of champions now for 11 months. And I didn't know 
so many of these things about you. Like, I feel like I know so much more about you and I'm just really grateful for this authentic connection. And just to see this friendship continue to grow because you are truly a woman that loves hard and shines her light from the inside out and continues to do the work every single day to work towards the best version of you. So thank you for sharing your joy and your love with our listeners. If you guys loved Joy's story, you want to connect with her, at at least to become one of her friends because she is the friend collector. You can find her on Facebook and LinkedIn. Just go ahead and look for Joy Farley. You can also find her on her Instagram at jumpforjoy4089. All the links will be included in the show notes below. Thank you all so much for joining on this episode today. Joy, do you have any closing remarks for our listeners? This has just been a great conversation. And I hope for those that are listening, you took something away that you can walk away from any conversation feeling better. And I hope that you can be that person too, that when people walk away from you, they just know that there's something different about you. And typically that is, it's the joy, it's the happiness, it's those things that are sometimes feeling intangible that you can give away freely. That could be a smile, an encouraging word. Um, my little brother Silas uh, told me years ago, he said, how do you know if someone needs to be encouraged? And he paused and he said, if they're breathing. So if you're breathing today, if you're listening to this podcast now or later, I hope that you walk away feeling encouraged, um, show up authentically, give your best, not your last, and just find really great connections because People are everywhere looking for you too. So thank you so much for having me, Niku. This has been an absolutely beautiful conversation. It's been such a blast. Go out there, kick ass, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. And don't forget, be authentic, allow yourself to be vulnerable and continue to fail forward, baby. We'll see you soon on another episode.